0: Hello and welcome to All In The Addicted Gambler's Podcast. My name is Brian, and tonight we have a very special episode because it's about the first time we've interviewed anybody in a while that is a compulsive gambler telling the story. So I'm excited. Jeff, what's up?
1: Hey, Brian. We have Tiffany here today, and she's one of our favorites, isn't she?
0: We did. I met Tiffany because you asked Tiffany, I believe, if she wanted to join our virtual meetings. Yeah, And she said yes, and then I met Tiffany, and now I've spoken with Tiffany many times and begged Tiffany to come on here and share her story, and she is
2: here. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome. Hi, guys. How's it hey, going? Hey, Tiffany. Hi. Good to be here.
0: So this morning, it, it's Sunday night, uh, June 28th, Sunday night, and this morning we did our little meeting without Jeff, who was not there, but we did this interesting, uh, Rich sent over a quick he just sent me, I think he sent an email to me that just said, hey, I do smart recovery and we do this exercise. And so he brought up, again, a cost-benefit analysis about addiction. Mm-hmm. So basically uh, you do four quadrants and it was advantages of gambling, disadvantages of gambling, advantages of not gambling, disadvantages of not gambling. And we kind of went around everybody was just throwing them out there. and We did this whole thing together and it worked really well as – as a meeting, so it was really cool. But I'm I sorry should. you both weren't there for that. I was gonna say, I mean, maybe I should skip more meetings. But I was thinking we should try to do that uh, some, uh, maybe a Wednesday night when it's less attended. It's probably a little easier to do with a fewer people. But today we're talking to Tiffany, so.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany,
0: what a segue. Uh,
2: yeah, I know,
0: just a hard cut left. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Tiffany, uh, who, who are you? Uh, how long has it been since you last placed a bet? What kind of gambling mm-hmm. did you do?
2: Okay. Uh, it's Tiffany K here. Um, I gambled most of my twenties, um, up until about a year ago. Uh, I was mostly a slot, uh, gambler. I, I started off with my, my parents actually, they got me into gambling. Uh, and it was something that we did for quality time. And, um, you know, I've been in recovery. I've been in recovery for almost, almost a year. I actually entered recovery in May, but I had to change my bet date because of a a slip, a gambling slip. So I had to change my bet date, but I've been in recovery for almost a year and it's been really great for me. So I'm just glad to be here to tell my story.
0: Yeah, we're excited to hear it. Um, Everybody's got something different to say about gambling addiction. I mean, it's funny, we've interviewed, I don't know how many people now, but everybody goes a different direction. You're like, wow, I didn't even, I never thought about it that way. So it's always something to learn. Um, You, uh, just so everybody sort of knows where, the three of us are, you met Jeff how?
2: Okay. So (laughs) it was funny. So I met, okay. So Melanie is somebody that is part of Jeff's group. She was listening to the podcast and she was on Reddit. Um, But I met her at a physical GA meeting in February of uh, 2020. And, you know, she was one of the only women in, in the meeting. So I had to like talk to her, you know, and she was telling me about, Jeff's podcast. I don't, I never listened to podcasts. That really wasn't my thing. Sure. That so I was, I was curious. So she told me about it and said she, she actually was looking at that before she even came to a meeting for a while. Um, and then she decided to come to a physical GA meeting, but she introduced me to Jeff and then I asked Jeff if I could be part of this group and he got me into the group. And then I started, you know, um, joining his meetings. You, you passed
1: the test. You passed the rigorous <laughs> test, which, <laughs> which, which involves, Tiffany, do you have a desire to stop gambling? Yes.
2: Okay, you're in. (laughs) Yeah, I passed the hard test.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Tiffany, I have all the information I want to go ahead. And if you want to start, start at the beginning, go from there and we'll interrupt you from time to time.
2: All right. uh, Well, okay. Tiffany K, compulsive gambler. My last bet date was 9-22-2019. Great to be on the podcast. So... My gambling story starts from, before I could even start gambling, I was introduced to gambling, I saw it growing up. Um, my mom and my dad were both gamblers. My dad was a compulsive gambler. He um, played New Jersey lottery, PA lottery, he did scratch offs, he did um, the casino. My mom was just strictly a casino gambler. But I saw that growing up, you know, him playing the, uh, the lottery for most most of it. And he would, he would spend a lot of money, but a lot of times he would win. He would win money, and it was money that he could use to pay for family vacations, for furniture, like stuff like that. So even though my mom didn't like it, like when he won, it was okay, you know? So I, I saw that growing up. He actually took me over to PA a lot of times when I was a kid. Um, to the local like convenience stores he would pay his numbers and then he would watch the numbers like whether they came out or not he'd be pissed or happy you know so I, I saw all of that um, I got introduced to um, the casino at 21 my parents actually took me there uh, to, we went to Atlantic City we went to the Claridge Casino which I don't even think exists anymore this was back in like 2003 I believe so I went in there and they played slot machines. Slot machines are very easy to do. Um, not a lot of thought involved, but there was a lot of variety of those and a lot of like bells and whistles. And I like that. I like the sounds and the music and all that. So we spent like my 21st birthday playing slot machines. And then on the way out, like s- dumb luck, I won like $1,200. And $1,200 to a 21 year old was a lot of money, you know, so that was just like, dang, this could be something I could, I could like do and make, you know, like a side hustle, you know? So I think that was like the worst thing that could have happened, like winning, winning like that. And in realizing like, man, I could just do, I could just do this thing and, and, and win money without any real effort. So um, throughout the years, we were, go- my parents and I would go to Atlantic City and sometimes I would go by myself. But the real, the real change happened when Parks Casino opened in Philadelphia, which was a lot closer for us to get to. And, and Parks Casino offered more comps in Atlantic City. Atlantic City was like going downhill for a while. <laughs> but, you know, Philadelphia Parks was a lot closer. So we went there together. I went there um, by myself a lot of times. That's mostly when I did my gambling. I, I'm not like a social gambler. I don't like gambling with other people, honestly, because I feel like they have bad juju. Like, I feel like they're going to ruin my luck. So I don't like gambling with other people. And other, I know my one friend that I would take with me or I would go with, she would gamble conservatively. And I, I hated that, you know, it wasn't like she wasn't betting enough. But in my in my gambling, um, it was becoming more excessive, you know. But it was weird because when I would win a lot of money, I, I didn't blow it. You know, I actually... Uh, took a lot of money that I won and paid off a car that I had bought in 2010. I was able to pay it off in 14 months, you know, I think the loan was for like five years and I paid it off in like 14 months and I was also saving to buy a home um, By like 2012 I had um, I had turned tw- uh, 30 I had turned 30, and I thought this will be the year This will be the year. I'm gonna I'm gonna move out, but um, I didn't move out. Um, I oh, I'm sorry
1: I was going to ask you, Tiffany, yeah. when you started to um to gamble on your own, yeah, um, did you tell your parents, did you tell other people or were, were you hiding your gambling at that point?
2: I was hiding my gambling because I felt like it was me time. you know what I mean? Like I feel like they liked hanging out with me and I liked hanging out with them, but I wanted my own time too, and again, I don't when we were gambling together, I didn't actually like gamble with them, even when I was with them, we were separated. So I gambled by myself even when they were with me. So that's that's kind of how I was as a gambler. I was an isolated gambler who just I didn't like being around a lot of people because to me it wasn't it was fun, but it was like more of a mission. Like I got to win money, you know. It, it wasn't entertainment. Um, Definitely
1: can relate to that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So so Tiffany,
0: what were you? What did, I know you said slots. What were you playing? Do you remember what machines you were playing? I mean, you won the first night, right? So. Yeah. Um- must have gone back to whatever that was. Um,
2: it was like a president's game or something. I can't remember, but wow. it, it's well, it's just, it's it's like. I'm kind a of
0: impressed of, that you can't remember.
2: I can't because this was like in 2000, like three or four, you know. Um, because there's been a lot of different slots that I've played since then, and I did I, you know, I don't I didn't go to Atlantic City after a long time. Like I was done, like Atlantic City is way too far to drive anyway, oh. so. <laughs> for me it's like over an hour where parts casino was like 35 minutes, you know, I'm just like going there and that, 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 um, I guess that drive of shame isn't as long, <laughs> you know, coming back. It's like, okay, I'm home now. It's like, I don't, I can't, I'm not marinating on all the money I just lost, you know? So that was like another thing. Um, but yeah, so when I was, uh, when I gambled alone, I would rationalize and oh, I'll just make the money back. Cause at this point I was still living at home. I was, um, I was able to save a lot. And um, I was working a lot, too. I think I had two jobs. I always had two jobs. I just like working. I think that's the compulsive side of me. It's not just gambling. It's, you know, workaholism. It's overeating. Like, I'm just a compulsive person. And so working a lot is not, like, something new to me. So I was able to fund my gambling that way. But like I said before, in 2012, I was looking to move out. I had a down payment of a home. But my mom got diagnosed with cancer, you know. And I was just, like, a lot... Um, so instead of moving out I decided let me just stay home take care of my mom take care of my dad. Cause my dad ha- had health issues too and I was the youngest child. So my sisters are 12 years older than me. They have their own homes and their own like families. So I was kind of like obligated to be there and t- and take care of my mom. Um so I think the stress of like her being diagnosed with cancer because my 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 older sister had cancer too. Like she was diagnosed in two thousand and one, so it was like a second member of a family. But my immediate family had cancer, so it was just like a lot to handle. Like between the chemo treatments and just like being there, like mentally, I used the money that I was going to, you know, pay my down payment on the house for, and I gambled it away because I was stressed out. You know, I, I was stressed out. I didn't know how to like deal with just the emotional roller coaster I was experiencing with my mom and my dad. My dad had also had um, health issues. He had heart issues. Um, He he was in like end stage renal failure, like all this stuff, man, it was just a lot. So I just blew through a lot of money between um, 2012 and 2014. And 2014 is when the shit hit the fan. Um, I had basically blew all the money that I had saved in my account, maybe I had like $1,000. Um, but I've told this story before In May of 2014, my sister passed away of cancer, she died. And then four months later, my dad had a heart attack and he died. And it was just like, it was a lot, you know, at this point I'm thinking, oh shit, like that money that I should have like kept, I'm like, I'm stressed out now because I'm like, my mom is sick. I don't know how I'm going to deal with if she like passes, you know, and you know, lo and behold, she was terminally ill too. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do you know so clearly i wasn't gambling at this point like but mentally i was just like my whole world was just completely like turned upside down i'm taking care of my mom at this point i'm still grieving for the loss of my my sister and my dad and like my mom is dying and it's just like i got to like keep things going i'm going to work i don't want to leave her i'm scared because at this point the cancer has spread to her brain she's not who she used to be she's doing like risky stuff and i have to leave her she doesn't want to get a nurse for me to like to help me out so i'm just it was just a mess, man. It was just a freaking mess. So.
1: And you said you were not gambling at that point?
2: No, I, I didn't have any money. I had no money. I had blown through all of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I had, I mean, that was like, I guess the one good thing I wasn't gambling, which is, I mean, but every, my whole world was like turned upside down. I was devastated. You know, my mom finally passes in January, 2015. I have no money. Um. Uh. Yeah, I was gonna move out, but my sister, my sister wants me to pay rent. Like I had, I had my, my living sister, my other living sister, like we're not at good terms. My parents didn't have a will. It was a whole shit storm. It was really bad. So um, I couldn't afford um, to buy out my sister and my my nephew's share, which was my my pa- my pat deceased sister's son, which we were going to give him a third of the, the home too. Um, I couldn't buy out the share. <laughs> so I wanted to keep the house, but I couldn't, I couldn't, buy them out. So we sold the house, but we had to get it ready for um, uh, listing. So the little money that my mom had, we used to uh, repair or to uh, gut the kitchen, gut the bathroom. Now, mind you, I'm still living there. I'm living in a house that's uninhabitable, man, (laughs) because I have nowhere to live, you know? So I'm pissing in pots. I'm taking showers at the gym. Like it is a whole shit storm. Fast forward, Um, Get out of the house. I I find a place to live um, on on Craigslist. Random strangers. I moved out. Again, I'm working. No, no gambling. No gambling. So the house sits for a year. I'm I'm working a lot just to pay the taxes and, and just to keep it going until it's sold. It finally sells in 2016, and that's when I get money. I get a third of the sale of the house, and that's when the gambling picks up again. But it's not compulsive yet. Like it's excessive. And I'm kind of, I'm still like, you know, working. I'm still responsible. I'm not like, I'm not going through a lot of the money, but I am like back into the to the action again with the casino. It was just a way for me to deal with my grief. There was just so much going on. And um,
1: so, so at that point, Tiffany, did you feel that you had a gambling problem?
2: Yeah. Well, I knew, I knew I had a problem um, that I probably should have sought help for. And the funny thing is I'm very close to my ex coworker at the time, because we worked together for seven years, I would tell her these things. I was like, oh, I lost so much money. Like, it was almost like, okay, well, if you're losing money, well, like, why don't you try to get help? But it was just like, I would rationalize, oh, it's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll win it back. So I was like openly saying, like, I have a problem without saying I have a problem, if that makes any sense. Just complaining about all the money I was losing. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, yeah, I got back into gambling 2016 to 2018. Uh, 2018 is when it really got out of control, and I'll tell you why. 2018 is when I left my job that I had for 10 years. I just voluntarily left. I wanted to move on professionally, and that was like the last anchor of my old life. You know, I had lost my parents. I had lost my sister. I had lost the house that I lived in most of my life. This was the last thing that was part of my old life. So when I I walked away from that to something I thought was better— I just like lost it because I just didn't know who I was anymore. I had nothing anchoring me to my old life. So I actually jumped from like five jobs. I had five jobs in 2018. So I had like no type of professional stability. And that's when the gambling got really bad. I just had like no reason to, um, to stop, you know, nobody, again, I live by myself. I have no spouse, nobody keeping me accountable, checking in on me. Yeah, I just like went apeshit, you know, and, um, that's when it got really, really bad. It got really bad. And... The-
1: I mean, did you, did you, I mean, did you talk to anybody? I mean, I can't imagine what you must have gone through. I mean, so many tragedies and, and, uh, and as you say, your whole life was just, you know, um, destroyed, uh, and you had to start from, from scratch, um, did you go through any any kind of therapy or did you have friends that you spoke with? How did you deal with all this stuff?
2: Um, I did seek counseling, I believe, in uh, fall of 2018. So I did start to see like a grief counselor just to kind of talk about everything that happened because I had buried it. You know, I was just in survival mode. Like, I have to do this. I have to do that. Like, I just keep going, going, going until finally, like, I guess the realization of all the stuff that I dealt with kind of just overwhelmed me. It's like, oh, man, that was so much stuff. So it was like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a delayed onset reaction of everything that happened. So I, I did seek counseling. Um, I hadn't really talked to anybody though. I really hadn't um, like really revealed that I was, I was going through all that. And I did go, I will say this, I did go to a GA meeting in 2018, but then, you know, I sat in the meeting and then I, I judged everyone saying, Oh, you know what? I don't have a problem. They have problems. You know, they lost their jobs. They lost their relationships. I'm still surviving. I'm okay. You know? So I did know GA was out there. I just wasn't ready in 2018, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. So again, 2018, that was when it was really bad. Um, and finally I I, I got like the compulsiveness was really bad in 2018 through 2019 until I don't know if I had like a higher power moment, but I started to feel a lot of guilt associated with, Um, gambling, the the money my parents had left me, well, they didn't really leave me, but I I got from the sale of the home, the home that I grew up in, that they provided, like, a well-balanced childhood for me, and I felt guilty spending that money, so I finally said, you know, I have to get help, and that's when I walked into the rooms in May of 2019, Um, and again, I told this story before, I walked into a room full of men, (laughs) you know, and it was just like, oh, man, this is really hard, But somebody, so another woman did come in and it was, it was, it was good. Um, and I've been in recovery ever since I've been going to many meetings and it's been helping me. Um, did you it's, me- it's
1: really- did you immediately recognize that GA was, was going to help you or how, how did you feel about it when you started to go to meetings?
2: I knew it was going to help me, but I, I knew it was going to be so hard because like gambling was my crutch and I just didn't know if I could function without it, you know? and and I say this, I've said this before, when my parents had passed, I had lost a part of my identity with them because I was a caregiver for so long. I had basically um, gave up my identity and my life for them to take take care of them. Of course, I would do it again in a heartbeat, but I lost my identity when they passed. And then I felt like I lost part of my identity when I stopped gambling because it's like, who am I without gambling? You know, this was like who I was because it filled the void of what I lost, you know? So it's just like, can I really do this? (laughs) And the early days were hard. You know, I went to a lot of meetings because the urges were really, really intense. And that, that kind of bought me time. I knew it was, wasn't going to be recovery, but I just needed just to get through the urges. And when I, when I was experiencing the urges, I, I, I kind of went to the social media thing and I was on Facebook excessively because it gave me that action you know, that I was seeking and I was missing from gambling. And then I started overeating, just like the, the dopamine thing. It, it goes back to the dopamine hit that I was not getting, not gambling anymore. So that that was just something that I was okay with, the, you know, doing that because I'm like, in the grand scheme of things, is it's going to get me better? I'll just do it for now. But I knew the social media thing was bad too, you know, and although it's acceptable in society now that people are always on the the Facebook and Instagram and all that. Um, but,
1: but, you, but you didn't really have any support person. You know, we, we always at, in meetings talk about, you know, either the people that we live with, our significant yeah. other, our, you know, parents, children, yeah, people that we rely on maybe to um, give access to our finances or mm-hmm. turn our finances over yeah. to. You didn't have anybody.
2: No, I had the people in the room and that's why I went to a lot of meetings because mm-hmm. I, I realized early that, um, you know, I, I don't have any accountability in my personal life. So I have to use the people in the rooms to do that. And I, and I purposely put myself in uh, service um, positions like greeter, like simple stuff, greeter, room rep. I went to South Jersey Intergroup group just to kind of educate myself on uh, GA and what they're about. But like I, I purposely did that. So just to keep me accountable to the group, to the room. Because if I effed up, I I lose those those positions, you know. So that that helps me a lot. The people in the room and the service that I I provided to the fellowship. So um, so yeah, I've been I've been in recovery since May. Um, and I talk about this too. I, I had the tendency to uh try to be the best I can in recovery. <laughs> so early on, I think I was doing a lot too many meetings, and I know we've had a discussion about that. There's was like not. I, in my opinion, I think there is a such thing as, as too many meetings because I would just go to a lot and just go to a lot. And it started to become more like a socialization. It was, it was like, am I really gaining anything out of these meetings? Um, I was getting burnt out. And I got so burnt out, I stopped going to meetings for about 30 days, 30 days. And in those 30 days, I... I didn't go back to the bet. I didn't go back to the bet, but I, I felt like I wasn't recovering. I was just stagnant. And I felt like my character defects were in full display because I didn't really know how to like handle. I hadn't d- established a, a, a basis in the, in the program, like tools to use to deal with like life situations. So I just dealt with them in the wrong way <laughs> with my character defects, you know, anger and procrastination, all these different things. So I didn't go to a meeting for 30 days. Finally, I, I felt like I had to go because I knew I would, I would eventually go back to the bet. and I realized that's how it happens. That's how it happens with a lot of people in recovery. They stop going to meetings, they get complacent and one way or another, they get back to the bet. It may not happen right away, but slowly, but surely they get back there. And I knew like, okay, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> So I had to push through the resistance of not having gone to a meeting for 30 days and establish that routine again of going to meetings. But this time with the meetings, I felt like, okay, you have to have more of a balance. You can't be all or nothing like you were in your gambling. You have to you know, have GA, but also have your own personal life. Like that's normal, you know? So I've approached recovery differently since then. I'm just really trying to, again, practice self-care. I love talking about self-care because it's so important. I practice self-care. I have established um, interests. And that, that was another big thing in, in early recovery, filling the void. Filling the void was something that took me a long time because it was, it's so hard to try to figure out things that you like. You know, You have to kind of feel your way out, feel your way and kind of see like, oh, I don't know if I like this. And it takes work. You know, it's just, it's so easy just to gamble. It's like, okay, let's just gamble. <laughs> but to actually figure out like hobbies, that took a lot of work. Yeah. So I started doing that, you know, filling my time. I, like, I love Zumba. I like to read, like all these different things helped me. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to practice is like balance and self-care. Now, I will say in January of this year, I was, I was going through the steps let I me mean, just back it up. I was going through, you know, the, the 12 steps of the GA program. And I was stuck at step two. Step two talks about faith. And I had no faith coming into the program. You know, I basically, you know, I was mad at God for everything that happened with my family. <laughs> and then I see this the step two and I'm pissed. I'm like, oh, this faith crap. Oh, man. You know, so that was a big hurdle. Step one was easy for me to get through. But step two took a while. Step two took a, a huge while, a uh, long time. But in one in my home meeting, there was one guy that was saying stuff that I hadn't heard anyone else say, and I'm just like, he's he just sounds different than anybody else. Everybody else, what is he doing that I'm not doing? And he told me about this um, this outreach group at a church that he goes to, and he invited me to go, and I went, and um, immediately I felt like I was at home. You know, my soul felt at home. Very open, warm, non judgmental people, and it was basically like a bible study type thing but it wasn't preachy it wasn't religious you know i don't i don't like that i'm not a religious person i didn't i don't i didn't read the bible prior to like i guess this year (laughs) you know i had like no no um no uh, frame of reference of religion and denominations i don't know any of that stuff (laughs) you know Was,
1: was your family at all religious
2: no Mm-hmm. No, we didn't go. I mean, my sister, when she was older, like when we were older, you know, we had the opportunity to go out on our own, but we didn't grow up in church and stuff like that. Yeah, we didn't do any of that. Um, so anyway, it was it was like a non-judgmental group and I was going like every Wednesday night and little by little, my, my faith started growing. It started growing exponentially actually. And I, I feel like that's helped me in the COVID situation because I really, I utilize the time to do step work. I got a sponsor. I got a sponsor during this COVID time. I, you know, I'm talking to my sponsor and we're going through the steps. I'm on step four now, which is a doozy of a step. It is so, (laughs) it is so heavy. I'm like, man, but I'm using a text to help me like, you know, to guide me. But yeah, the, the faith component is, is huge in recovery. And I'm so glad I'm I'm starting to tap into it um, with the help of the group and the fellowship of GA, you know, those two things combined have helped me spiritually with recovery. And I feel like it'll help me like in the long run, just having, having spirituality is so important in, in the program and it's going to carry me through all 12 steps, I think. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, and I'm also, there's so many things that I'm doing. I'm excited. Um, I just started a women's preferred meeting with Danielle, you know, our, our Danielle. We started on Monday. We had a a decent turnout and I'm on this podcast with you guys. Just so many different opportunities um, that I'm able to do, you know, being bet free. You know, I actually, I have a life that I never thought I could ever have. I never thought I could be happy, honestly. And I pinch myself because I can't believe this is my life. You know, I'm so grateful. So uh, I guess, I guess I'm done. (laughs)
0: I don't know unless you guys have any any questions yeah i do uh a lot <laughs> but uh that was a, you did a fantastic job tiffany good storyteller thanks um first of all i'm just i'm just so sorry about all the tragedy that you have suffered thanks. my goodness gracious i mean i thought like i lost my dad and so you said your dad and i was like okay i understand that but then Uh, You know, a sibling and another parent on top of that. I'm just very sorry that that all happened. Um, I I, I would think anybody would understand why you gambled. That's Mm -hmm. intense. Um, (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: What was a typical casino trip like for you? Were you there for 12 hours? Were you in and out? Was it just whatever the night holds? Did you have the same, you know... Maybe not when you slipped, but in that 2018 time period, was mm-hmm. were you going to the same machine over and over? Did you have a routine? Can you walk me through a bit of the casino? Because Jeff is a slot player. I am a slot player. And not to like get excited We were, about we, it, were we were, <laughs> Brian. We yes. Yeah, we were slot players. <laughs> <boys. laughs> just want just to make the record yeah. very clear about that.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: Thank you. Uh, so what what was the casino like for you?
2: Yeah, so first of all a lot of times I would get the um like the flyers in the mail so I would would have like a game plan as to like what days I would go what would give me the most comps because Parks Casino offered a lot of like giveaways and that kind of got me in there you know you know I would I would I would rationalize I'm just trying to get this like this this free like plate set or whatever and of course you know I would get it and then start playing you know that's how they got me but um yeah, there were particular machines that I, I did I did like, and I used to go late at night because I really didn't want competition. I would go like in the middle of the night or like late, like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, and I would play yeah. until like dawn. You when know, that first
0: wave is kind of making their way out.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I would go on like off days that you know I I rarely went on the weekends. It was no, that's not true. I went on like Friday night into and then like Sunday night. So I mean. My work starts later. So I kind of rationalize if I leave by like 4am, 5am, I can still get four hours of sleep and still make it to work on time. You know what oh, I'm saying? It wasn't gosh. like I worked, it wasn't like I worked at 730 in the morning. I worked at 10. You know, so <laughs> I was, I was strategizing that, you know, going, going late at night to, to, to the casino and playing my favorite machines because no one else is on there you know, and then taking as much money as I want because, oh, no one's really watching me here. It's just the attendance. You know, I'm not feeling like that pressure, like, oh, I got to go to a different ATM because I don't want the same people seeing me at this, you know, it was just like this this thing, this whole mental like game I played myself, not going to the same ATM and being seen. Yeah. And being seen? Yeah. So like, I didn't want, I felt like people were judging me because I was frequenting the atm the same atm so i would switch i would go to the other side of the casino and get money and you not- get
0: judged by the workers or something yeah i, yeah, I went to the <laughs> same window three times and they were like again
2: and at that <laughs> yeah. point
0: i'm like i'm a piece of shit just give me the money i don't
2: right right so i didn't want to feel that judgment so that's why i i jumped okay. around on the atms yeah that makes total
0: sense yeah. See, I, that's interesting. You went, you went for like the plates and the prizes. I never, I stayed away from all the reward stuff because again, I was trying to, I didn't want mail that was coming to me about game. Okay. I don't want anything. Yeah. Um, so my rationale for going to different casinos be, was because it, it gave me a different feeling about winning based on the machines there that I had previously mm-hmm. won on that I played every time I went to those places. Mm-hmm. And so it was what? just like a feeling of what may work tonight. Where am I going? Or, you know, time because somewhere farther, but you went for the plates and the prizes that kind of got you in the door.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, there were like, I have my favorite machines, you know, that again, I would go late at night that no one else would go on because I would win a lot on those machines. And I would get pissed when I think a lot of times the casino would take them out when they realized, oh, we're losing too much money here. Let's take out these machines, get rid of all of them and put in new machines. And I'm pissed. I'm like, wait a minute. This is my machine. Oh, I was they winning money.
0: Update, they were, take out yeah. older machines. And you're like, that's yeah. the machine I love.
2: All <laughs> right. yeah. I'm just like, damn it.
0: <laughs> what was it? What were you playing? What What were those favorites that you were going to all the time? Because there's a few different types of slots. And I'm always like, why would anyone play that type of like, and oh. like, that's the judgment I have. Like, why are you playing that? Nobody wins on that.
2: Yeah. Like the ones that were like, I don't know, like you had like eight different ways of winning and. Um, so the,
0: the, like the, the lines,
2: multi, the multiple, the multi yeah. The not,
0: so not the, like the seven, 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 diamond, diamond, yeah. diamond, not those. Yeah.
2: And, and those machine and machines that gave you like bonus rounds. I love bonus rounds, yeah. like random bonus rounds, especially. That's, it's I just like ex- exciting. That's like, what
0: Jeff and I as well.
2: Yeah. Like the bonus you,
0: round was there's some yeah. specific bonus noises
2: Yes. And you get like so hyped and because the music comes on, you're like, oh man, this is it, you know? So I'll
0: admit it, like in the last six years, since I haven't gambled, I have listened to those sounds from time to time. I've heard them and I'm like, it puts you right back.
2: You know what's funny? Before I went to like GA, what I would do to to kind of like uh I guess temper my my gambling, I would watch YouTube videos of people gambling to kind of like get that sense of, oh man, I felt like I was there. Like have you ever done this where you like watch YouTube videos I understand of, what you mean. of people gambling? Like you felt like you're living vicariously through them, if that makes Did any it, sense.
0: It gave you a little bit of excitement because yeah, in the same because it lights up the same, you're still hearing the lights and the sound. Right. And and it's it's like, not your money, and, but and they're
2: winning. They're winning. That they're, they're not I mean, there's no YouTube videos, people losing, you know what I'm saying? So it's like <laughs> it's people winning.
0: <laughs> we put those out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I, I'm sitting here watching YouTube videos of people winning like on machines that I would normally play at parks, and it's like, damn. So it kind of gave me that sense of gambling without actually doing it. But eventually, I would go back. You know, it just kind of like gave me like a longer window of not going.
0: <laughs> did it, or then did it push you more into it? Because you were like, this is um, exciting again. I can well, see, it, I can see it working both ways completely.
2: It, well, yeah, so it's just like, oh man, I missed this. So when I get there. <laughs> It's kind of like, yeah, because yeah, I, yeah, the, the living vicariously kind of it it satisfy your urge at that moment. But then it, you realize like, man, I got to get back for the real thing, you know, at the same time. So
0: did yeah. you when the when the vacuum cleaners would come out, did you feel? <laughs> <weird>? <laughs> yeah,
2: well, I used to hate that shit. So they would the, the tenants would tell you to get off the machines right after a certain like 4 a.m. or whatever. They have to like reset the machines. I used to hate that.
0: That's was, when you knew it was time to go. You're like, yeah, I better well, no, go.
2: Well, no, because like I think that I happened. Felt a felt icky.
0: Th- I felt icky at that hour.
2: It <laughs> happened a couple times. Where I was like, in the middle of a bonus round. I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't. I'm in the middle of a bonus round. Like, yeah. it's, the machine's just going. I can't stop this, right? So, <laughs> like that shame you feel when they're like waiting for you to go off the machine at like 30 a.m. It's like you got a fucking problem here. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. We gotta, we gotta reset the machines. Why are you still here by yourself on a weekday?
0: You know, yeah. Like those are the times when <laughs> you should got to take that inventory. You're like, this is what I'm doing. Four in the morning, and I... <laughs> Yeah,
2: totally, hey, hey, Tiffany,
1: when you started um, your recovery,
2: uh-huh. um,
1: in I think you said in in May,
2: 2019 of 2019.
1: Uh-huh. Um, did you share that with anyone outside of GA? What's that? That the fact that you decided that it was time for you to give up gambling and you're going to begin a program of recovery? Anybody that you share that with in your personal life?
2: My sister, oh yeah, that was weird. So I got to tell you this. So a a week after I went into recovery, my sister and I, we had tickets to see um, this this R&B group named, uh, who is it? Drew Hill and, and After Seven like army group, but they were, it was at Atlantic city, Atlantic city, man. I had like bought tickets. This is for mother's day. I went in May 5th and then mother's day was the following like May 12th of 2019. And I'm like, should I have tell my sister I'm in GA <laughs> a week into recovery. You know what I'm saying? So I told my sister, who's an attorney, she's an attorney um, that, you know, I have a gambling problem. Um, I really wasn't worried in Atlantic city. Cause I, I, I'm Atlantic City didn't really appeal to me because I didn't really get comps. But I just told her like like kind of watch out for me because I'm in a recovery and I haven't gambled in a week. You know what I mean? So she was kind of indifferent, to be honest. Like she she doesn't understand gambling, but she's kind of like watching out for me. Like okay, well you know I, I'll make sure you don't play any slot machines. You know. But did, that
1: did was, she ask? Did you did she ask you anything about like what harm you experienced as a result of your gambling or? any of the did she know any of the any of the details of like how much you lost the fact that you lost the money that you were going to put as a down payment on a house
2: um well I didn't tell her that part I told her the part where I, I lost the money that was left like you know from the sale of my parents house that I told her about but then she told me that she had sent like part of the money that she got to some like random like person on the internet she got scammed out of like 15 grand so we like both revealed like just just crazy like you know spending of money so she really couldn't judge me because of what she had just done Mm -hmm. so it was just like all right well (laughs) it was weird it was Mm -hmm. weird um but yeah she was like the only one i told i eventually told my ex-roommates who i was living with for four years after my my parents had passed away i had moved in uh that i met on craigslist i told them after I moved out because I didn't want them to feel obligated to let me live there longer. They were trying to sell their own home. Like I had lived there for four years, but I didn't, I didn't want to put the pressure on them like to allow me to stay there longer. Cause it's like, I fucked up. You know what I mean? Like if you had plans to sell the house, let me just move out, you know, and not tell you about my gambling problem until I'm out. And I tell you, Hey, I have a gambling problem. So that way I didn't, I don't want to put the pressure on them like, you know, to allow, cause they would have let me stay there, you know, knowing that I had messed up my money when I should have been sick I would have, I should have been saving so much more money. I was barely paying anything when I lived there, like $550 for rent a month, you know? You know, I blew it. I blew so much money with gambling.
1: Did did you ever go into debt? I mean, did you, you know, max out credit cards? Did you go and get payday loans? You know, all the things that you've heard so many people do.
2: I didn't, it it hadn't gotten that far. So I hadn't, I hadn't hit rock bottom, Um, but I saw it coming. I saw like once, once I blew through the money that I had from, sell my parents' house, I would eventually just start going through my money and whatever, you know, I just, I just saw the progression of, of the, of the bet of the, the addiction and I had to stop it or else I was going to, you know, end up <laughs> like the people that I have originally judged in the first meeting I went to in 2018 who lost everything. Yeah. You know?
1: <clears throat> how, how do you feel now when you hear the stories of the people that, uh, obviously experienced a lot more harm than
0: you did?
2: Um, I mean, I, I can't really judge them because I, like I said, I was on, I was on my way to that too. I just, I just I feel for them, but I'm, I think a lot of, in a lot of those situations, they have support, which I'm grateful for now to hit rock bottom and not have anyone. I don't know if I would have survived that to be honest, cause that, that's just horrible not to have support or a, a children or a, a spouse to kind of keep you accountable.
0: So Tiffany, it's fair to say that you're quite happy in recovery.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like my life has purpose. It's great. You know, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm happy to give back. So and you have good.
0: a, you have a good balance going right now. You don't have, you're not going to too many meetings.
2: Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes I stroke. I you stroke. seem
0: to manage it though. Cause you join us for the virtual meetings and you say sometimes yeah. like, I'm not going to come. That's too many this week. And that's perfect.
2: Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a huge problem of mine. I think in general, in my life, I I am like really bad with boundaries and telling people, no, I'm a people pleaser, which is, uh, I know it's part of like my fourth um, step inventory, like that's self-sabotage. To me, self-sabotage is people pleasing, <laughs> you know, cause I, I have to like take care of myself and say no, you know, and to value like my own um, self-care and that's not selfish. That's just, you know, self-preservation and I'm just trying to practice that. And take a step back and enjoy my life, and not just be like one thing or another. You know, be a multifaceted. You know, and that's that's something that I'm trying to practice. Awesome. Well, Tiffany, it's been a real pleasure oh, it's to over. listen to your story.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm glad you finally were able to come on here and do this.
2: Yeah, it's been great. Thank you.
0: Um, I guess we'll see you again on uh, Wednesday for a meeting.
2: Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's already backing out.
1: Yeah, no, it depends if she needs if she needs that rejuvenation day or whatever. She what do you call it? Self care day.
2: Self care Sunday, which is not self care
1: Sunday. It's, yes.
2: it's being infiltrated. It seems yeah. like every Sunday.
1: I, I choose <laughs> I, I, I choose a, a hot fudge Sunday rather than a self care. Jeff,
2: I got to ask you something. Jeff, if you don't well, mind. go ahead, sure. How do you not get? I know we had talked about this before. How do you not burn out from a lot of meetings? Because you do a lot too. Like you're on all these meetings yeah. on, on zoom with your group. And it's just like, can you just sit out one day? Like, like what's going on here?
1: I actually sat out one day. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, sat, <laughs> I sat out on Thursday night when my, when my daughter was in labor, oh, well. <sighs> I was a little distracted. Yeah. So I called, um, I asked Danielle who I knew was, was going to attend the meeting I yeah. said, would you mind doing this? And so it was good. I didn't, you know, I was very proud of myself. I didn't even ask her afterwards. So how'd the meeting go?
2: Oh, look at you. Okay.
1: <laughs> See, aren't I something?
2: Wow. Um, Except so, for
1: you. No, but, but seriously, to a- answer the question, I think, I mean, sometimes I get tired as, you know, Brian knows that, but um, I don't really consider... Myself getting burned out, and I think a lot of it has to do with I just enjoy mm-hmm. the meetings. I enjoy the people yeah. I look at it you know of course it the the main purpose of of these meetings are obviously to to help me in recovery, but I also have met some amazing people like you, and uh to me it's like uh just being with friends and and friends that don't judge. Yeah. and friends that you have this common bond with so uh yeah i and and of course i have a you know i work for a problem gambling council so mm-hmm. it's not like um <laughs> doing something uh, in addition to working eight hours a day on mm-hmm. something completely unrelated right. i mean so it's so far it's been working so i'm not yeah. going to uh to change things up too much
2: you know i just realized something so when I say burnt, I, I think I'm burnt out from the COVID. I had mentioned this at the last podcast. I was on the COVID situation with the virtual, everything being virtual. Because there's such a thing called virtual fatigue, which I I posted it. I posted it in one of the groups. But um, yeah. that's, that's what I'm feeling. Just like my whole life being connected to virtual, like computer and phone. I can't escape it. I can't turn it off. It's just like I want to separate yeah. myself from just being connected all the time. And it's just really hard because it's just like this is my life now. Yeah,
1: I mean, I hear that a lot. I don't, I don't know. For me, it has not. I mean, I I like the virtual stuff. <laughs> um, I'm comfortable. I'm in my own house. I can, you know, I don't have to travel. I don't have to get dressed. I mean, dressed up. Um, As
0: we can see. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Had to get the blur box out. Exactly. But uh, yeah. I also,
1: it, it allows me to connect with people all over, the, literally all over the world, as you know, from our meetings.
0: Yeah. It's um, funny. Can I say something that you just said that? Yeah. Literally during our, during Tiffany's interview right now, um, right. Shane from Australia. Yes. Uh, texted me back and he said, yeah, I'd love to join the, the Wednesday night meeting. So oh, cool. It'll be Shane's Thursday morning when he joins us Wednesday night. Yeah, we have so a So, Tiffany, of... if you come, you'll get to meet Shane. Okay,
2: I'll show you. I Australian. think Australian.
1: Tiffany has probably met Shane before.
0: Oh, did, oh in the other? Is that the mm-hmm. meeting he went to?
1: Um, He usually comes to Thursday night.
2: Have I done a Thursday night? I think I did one Thursday night.
1: Yeah. Sharing. Um we have, we have somebody from uh, New Zealand also okay. that comes to Thursday night because for him, it's actually- friday at um 10 11 12 one in the afternoon
2: you know what it is besides like the zoom meetings it's it's the it's the telephone meetings that i've i'm involved with with GA. Yeah. like if if we could get back to physical meetings i'll be so much happier because that's a lot of work like yeah yeah virtu- like like in general virtu- virtual virtuals c- is convenient but energy wise it takes a lot more effort i think just trying to set up the lighting and the sound and all this stuff and it's just it's, I feel so drained after a session, like on GA, like, you know, a phone yeah. meeting. It's a lot. I'll,
1: I'll tell you, I, I just never was able to connect with the phone. me. I mean, not connect, but relate to the phone meetings yeah. too much because, uh, I'm, I like to see people,
0: mm-hmm. um, but Hey, since you know. both are mentioning, uh, meetings right now, uh, yes. can you, do you want to pimp your zoom meetings at all? And I
1: think Tiffany can pimp them.
0: And uh, Tiffany, do you want to pimp your uh, women's? That doesn't mm-hmm. sound that doesn't that work. That sounds for really
2: women's. hard. Yeah, it sounds really
0: no, hard. No, 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 no. Uh, do you <laughs> want to talk there. about your, your, your uh, women's oh, meeting?
2: Promote it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Promote. promote.
0: Yes. Promote. Yes.
2: I, I will do that. So, yeah, the women's preferred meeting right now, Zayo and I started it because we noticed um, that there isn't one. There's one for North Jersey, which is one that I've gone to physically as a physical meeting. But I was so inspired by how I I was able to. I I felt like my confidence got so much better. Like going to the the Colts Neck meeting, that's where it's at, and just being able to share with other women like my my story of uh, you know recovery, strength, and hope, and not feel judged because sometimes you go into a meeting full of guys and it's like I can't share completely what I want to share, or sometimes a guy will say something inappropriate, or somebody will try to ask me on a date, and it's just like. Dude, I'm not here for that, you know, and it'll just it'll turn me off to a point where I won't go to that meeting anymore. I think it's yeah. wrong. That's so wrong that, especially somebody who's new and that's their experience with their first meeting, and then they won't they won't want to do recovery at all. So I just feel like this is another option for women that Danielle and I started on Zoom. We eventually wanted to be a physical meeting, but with COVID, we yeah. just figure like let it let it grow naturally on Zoom. If it crashes and burns on Zoom, I don't care because it's not like. I went to ISO and you try to find a location, all this stuff that's involved with creating a physical meeting, just let it develop naturally on zoom and see how women feel about it. If they want it to be a physical meeting or not. So we just started that on um, last Monday and it'll be every Monday, at eight o'clock, you know, thereafter. So,
0: and if somebody wanted to somebody listening, perhaps wanted to join a women's preferred meeting.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, would they be
0: able to do so or no?
2: they could well on this one because it's virtual but
0: obviously. when you move it to a physical it's
2: right, right it's it's limited to the region of you know south jersey yeah so, yeah. so
1: how preferred is it
2: <laughs> how preferred is it yeah
1: i mean you know is it like women's only or really no no preferred?
2: we can't we can't say women's only because that's discrimination so we can ah, say women's okay. preferred because i mean men have gone to the colt's neck meeting from what i've heard because that meeting is only two two years old but one of the women have told me that a man did show up and <laughs> they got therapy and all that. So we can't turn a man right. away, but it, I mean, we prefer just to have women there, you know, but if a man shows up, we can't deny him, you know,
0: and you're going to welcome him, aren't you?
2: Yeah, of course. Oh.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and,
0: and Tiffany, now that people have listened to you speak for the last hour, mm-hmm. people should know that you and Danielle uh, who I also met through Jeff through these virtual meetings. You guys are gonna do some podcasts for us for yeah. for for a run to talk yeah. about whatever you guys want to talk about. You and Danielle have a yeah. women's preferred podcast. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying hard not to like
2: <laughs> call make- it that. Like, yeah, I
0: don't want to put the like, onus on that. I just yeah. you guys talk about gambling however you want. But yeah, okay. so Jeff, know- there-
2: yeah through a woman's like a younger thirty something year old woman's lens, mm-hmm. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's exciting, so I think we're yeah. going to start that this week or next week. Uh, they'll be able to hear you and T- uh you and tiffany you are tiffany you and Danielle talking about gambling yeah, it's
2: pretty exciting. Sort of I won't funny.
0: reveal the title yet until that first one it's okay. like
1: it's like all in
0: the view. <laughs> No.
2: no. That show is awful. Awful, Jeff. <laughs> awful. <laughs> Bad example. Come on, we're
0: going to have... Tiffany <laughs> and Danielle are way better than that. I'd much rather watch those two have a nice discussion about the uh-huh. issues they speak on The View instead of hearing everyone on The View just yell at each other.
2: Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: How dare you, Jeff? Sorry. I just could
1: not help myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Well... <laughs> If that's it for everybody, again, thank you very much, Tiffany. And we'll be hearing from you again soon. My thanks to Jeff.
1: My thanks to Brian. My thanks to
2: Tiffany. Yeah. Thanks for having me on here, guys. Thanks.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening, everybody.